you know, this morning, you know, we started out and we were, you know, glorifying God and things just seemed kind of quiet and the spirit of uh, slumber maybe in the, the building this morning. But how many know that God never sleeps nor slumbers on us? Amen. Hallelujah. I know it's a little hot. My wife's fanning, you know. She surprised me with a couple songs, got me sweating up there. I didn't know the key and everything, and, you know. <laughs> but God will do that, won't he? Yeah, you got to be ready. Not just preachers now. You got to be ready in season and out of season. Because you never know when the Lord's going to call you a different direction. And I dare some of you to just keep walking through life with blinders on. Come on, somebody. And just doing your thing, getting up, going to work, or maybe you're retired. Getting up, I don't know, maybe you don't watch the soaps, do you, Jody? No, of course not. You know, are they even still on today? Okay, you never did. Okay. You know, or get it, you know, make your breakfast, do whatever you do, and, uh, and then go to bed and get up and do the same thing the next day. I dare you, if you're a Christian, to keep on doing that. Because I guarantee you, one day, God is going to come calling, and He's not going to knock on the door. Hey, are you busy? No, He's going to drop something in your life. He's going to drop something in your lap that you are totally unprepared for, and it's going to take you a whole different direction. And I want to tell you, my, my, my sister gave me a great word this morning. We were talking this morning about Brother Iverson's word last week. And she gave me a great word this morning. Don't hold on to people, places, or things. And those are some of the hardest things for us to let go sometimes. Now, that doesn't have anything to do with being nice and being relational, obviously. You know, we have to have relationships and all of those types of things. But what I'm talking about this morning is when you make people, places, and things bigger than the God of your life. And when you begin to do that, God begins to rearrange some things in your life. Come on. Now, if your life is being rearranged now, you don't have to raise your hand, but some of us, our life is being rearranged even as I speak. And if that's happening, you might want to look and say, well, maybe I'm holding on to some things I shouldn't be holding on to. You see, David went through that. By the way, this has nothing to do with the word. It's a short word. Don't worry. We'll, we'll get to it. But I remember the story of David and how after he got with Bathsheba. Anybody remember that story? And uh, they had a baby. And the baby was sickly, and David was all in sackcloth and ashes, and he was all sad because of what he had done, and the, now the baby was paying the price, and the baby was sick. And, uh, you know, finally one day the baby died. Now, that's a tragic thing, isn't it? But as soon as the baby died, David got up, took off his sackcloth and ashes, washed his face, and went about his way. Why? Because you cannot hold on to a dead thing. Now, I don't know who that's, but somebody need to get that word this morning. You can't, you need to stop holding on to a dead thing. There's a thing that you think is so important in your life that you can't do without. Maybe you feel like it defines you. But I want to tell you this morning that the Lord is speaking to you, telling you that you can't hold on to a dead thing. He says, I am life. I am the life of you. And I am what you need to hold on to. Because if you hold on to me and make me first in your life, if you seek me and seek my kingdom, come on somebody, and make it first in your life, then all these other things will what? Be added unto you. Our issue is that we look for all the other things. We seek after the other things and try to build our life. We try to build our wealth. We try to build our family. And then we ask God to come by and bless what we've already built. 
And I dare to say to you this morning, but except the Lord build the house, they that build, build it in vain. And so I believe God is calling for a people who will look to him first and foremost. Let him be your first resource, not your last resort. I mean, who is sold out this morning for the Lord? Come on now. Listen. Yeah, yeah. And when I, when I say that this morning, see, we get these images, especially those of you like me who have been in church for a long time. I love people who haven't been in church for a long time. You know, because they don't have any presuppositions. They don't have any Christian vernacular. You know, they're not going to tell you, well, I get a witness to that. You know, they don't, they don't speak like that. You know, they don't have all those things. They don't have all the traditions of church. But especially for those of us who have been in church for a long time, when you hear, I'm sold out for the Lord, I'm holding on to God's unchanging, when you hear those types of phrases, you get certain things in your mind. You get tradition in your mind. You get a certain way to dress in your mind. You get a certain way to talk in your mind. But the Lord is calling for a people this morning who forget about uh, the way that I dress. Is that holy? The way that I talk. Is that holy? The Lord is calling for a people this morning who have ears that will listen to him. And whatever he says, what, what he says, whatever he said, that's all he's looking for. I don't care if you're wearing a T-shirt or a suit and tie. If you're not listening to the Lord, it doesn't matter. He's looking for a people that whatever I say, do it. Whatever I say, do it. And so I want to talk to you this morning a little bit. If you have your Bible this morning, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Just a short exhortation, if you will, this morning. I want to talk to you about something this morning that I feel like is going to help us. Especially those of us, like I say, church people, those of us who, who are Christians, those of us who say we follow the Lord, I'm sold out for God, whatever he says, I'm going to do it. I think this is going to help us a little bit this morning because one of the things that I've noticed is that there are, I'm talking about Christians now this morning, that are, now use this phrase, hope you understand what I'm saying, that are not comfortable in their own skin. All right? Now, what that means is this. We, we understand that in the natural because uh, there are those of us who may have been born a certain way or in a certain country or in a certain province or on this side of the tracks or a certain gender or whatever it may be. And, uh, you know, when we get around other people that are not like us, it, it makes us a little uncomfortable because they're not like us. I would dare to say that most people in America do understand what I mean when I say identity crisis. And the reason I say that is because, especially in this country, now everybody is from somewhere else. I don't care who you are. I know we have the phrase red-blooded Americans, and we are. But really, are you an American Indian? Because, you know, they were here first. And I'm talking about all of us now. I mean, whether you're from Africa, Europe, Mexico, wherever you may be from, if you trace it back far enough, you're from somewhere else in the natural. All right? I don't know. Some of you may have a, uh, you know, a, an Italian great grandmother, right, and an Irish great grandfather, and somewhere along the line, somebody married a, an American Indian, and there may even be some Spanish. I don't know what you are then, 
Uh, you're just an American, I guess. I was listening to one, one brother. You'll know who it is, some of you who listen to music, uh, Israel Houghton. Uh, we do some of his songs. In fact, we did one of his songs this morning, Saved by Grace. He's a great songwriter. Uh, he's, a, he's the uh, uh, praise and worship leader uh, at uh, Lakewood Church with Joel Osteen. And uh, I was listening to his testimony one time. And he got to talking about how, you know, when he was small, he began to wonder who he was. He had an identity crisis. That's why he writes songs like, I am a friend of God, and he knows my name, and all these types of songs about identity. Because when he was growing up, you see, he looked around and he realized that he had an African-American father, he had a white mother, but they attended an all-Spanish church. So he didn't know what to think. I mean, do I speak Spanish? Do I... Do I play guitar and rock music? Am I supposed to sing, you know, black southern gospel? I don't know what I'm supposed to do. He didn't know who he was until the Lord got a hold of him one day and said, you belong to me and you are exactly what I made you to be. I made you in great fear and great wonderment. That's not fear of being afraid. That means I took special care is what I'm talking about. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. I took special care with you. I didn't just spit you out. You weren't just on the assembly line. Here comes another one. Here she, here come Beatrice. Here come Dietrich. Here come Adam. Here come Tom. Here come... No, he said, I took my time and I made you special and specific to be just who you are. That's what God is telling us this morning. So we understand what it means to have identity crisis in the natural. But I'm not talking even about that this morning. I'm talking about a spiritual identity crisis. I'm talking about, uh, I'm talking about being ashamed, not being comfortable in our own spiritual skin this morning. I'm talking about being at work. Come on now. And maybe you go back to work on Tuesday. Maybe you go back to school. And uh, you're talking to your office mates there or, you know, the, your, your co-workers. And uh, you say, hey, did you have a good weekend? Yeah, it was a great Labor Day weekend. Did you do anything special? Well, yeah, you know, me and the family, we took the boat down to Lake Monroe. And then we came back and we had a cookout and we just, we had a great time. Uh, and then they'd say to you, how about you? have a good weekend? Well, yeah, I had a good weekend. You know, Saturday we had a cookout and then Sunday, well, you know, we did some things on Sunday. And then, you know, we had a great time as well. You don't want to bother them with the fact that you went to church. Come on. Praise the Lord a little bit. I mean, was it just part of something that you do or is it who you are? God's looking for some people that that's who you are. I'm not talking about church, but I'm talking about a Christian. And you're not ashamed to say, hey, I went to church and we had a good time at church. We had a good time. That's what I did this weekend. You had a good time at the lake. I had a good time at church. Looks like we all had a good time. You're not ashamed to go into the lake? Guess what? I'm not ashamed to go into church and worship in the Lord. Come on. That's who God's looking for. But instead, you want to know something? We kind of sometimes are like spiritual chameleons. Come on. We try to blend in. We try to fade in the background when it comes to spirituality. Now, when they talk about the Colts game, 
You know, we're right there. Well, first of all, you see the brother, you know, he broke his leg and he's going to be out for the year. You know, Andrew Luck, they need to get him some help. You know, they, we know all his stats from last. And I, I know the guys, you know, we know all his stats from last year. You know, we, and the one guy, you know, the, 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 the receiver Carter, you know, he's real good, but he dropped some balls in the preseason. And we can just talk all day long about that. But then when it comes to church or when it comes to talking about the Lord, or when it comes to spirituality, or when it comes to talking about gay marriage, or when it comes to talking about living together or fornication, or when it comes to talking about climbing the corporate ladder and stealing and doing different things like that, we kind of back away from those conversations sometimes. We don't, we don't inject any truth into the conversation or the way that we feel because of the word. We just kind of back up and we want to be a chameleon. And what I want to tell you this morning is stop thinking like a chameleon. It's what God is calling you to this morning. Stop thinking like a chameleon. We are saved. We love the Lord Jesus in our hearts. But living our Christian lives out in front of others sometimes, it's a difficult chore. Come on. We're an enigma sometimes. And Paul tells the Corinthians here in 2 Corinthians that God has called you to be unique and different. He's made you that way. Now listen to me closely. That doesn't mean that you don't talk to other people, influence other people, even have friends. You'll see that. We'll get to that. That's not what he's talking about. Because Jesus went to what I call a Matthew party. Come on, he was invited over Matthew's house. And half the people there were sinners, tax collectors, sinners. Come on, all kind of people. And then his boys, his disciples were there also. And they were there all in the same place. But here's the difference, and this is what we're drilling into our kids. Not that you don't have friends, but listen, here's the difference. You be the influence. You influence them don't let them influence you. That's the difference. And that's what Jesus was able to do without putting them down, without looking down his nose at them, without telling them, well, you know, I'm going to heaven and you're going to hell. Come on. He never was arrogant, though he could, if anybody could have been arrogant, come on, somebody. He could have been the one. But he was never arrogant, never did that, never any of those things. I've said this, and I was actually I was telling somebody this at work uh, on on uh, last Thursday. I was, was kind of proud of myself, and God had to kind of break my arm because I was, and he, you know, and uh, I said, "Hey, look, I." But you know, my favorite story in the Bible is you know the the story of the woman caught in adultery, right? It doesn't say anything about the man caught in adultery. It had to be a man. I mean, it's, I was assuming it had to be something. I, I, but, we, but they talk about the woman caught in adultery and how, all right, Brother Carter, come on now. All right, now, how they, they brought her out, right, and threw her down, make a long story short, in front of Jesus. I know, Jody, what can you do? And uh, threw her down in front of the Lord Jesus, right, trying to test him. What you going to do? What you going to do? She was caught in adultery. You know what the law says, that she should be stoned. Well, Jesus didn't even say he, he, he knelt down to the ground. What did he do? Start writing on the ground. Come on. They all started picking up stones. I guess you know what that means. He didn't say anything, so we're going to have to stone her, right? And then very famously, we all know what Jesus said. What did he say? 
The first one without sin, you, whoever doesn't have, basically who, who never sinned before, raise your hand because you can cast the first stone. And all of them, from young to old, drop their rocks. Drop your rocks. Drop your rocks. <laughs> Start to back away and hightailed it out of there. But you know, that's not my favorite part of the story. Yeah, that's typical. That's typical of Pharisees. That's typical of the world. That's typical of the media. Come on. That's typical of the media. Come on, Sister Lois. My favorite part of the story was when everybody was gone. Everybody was gone. Jesus was kneeling alongside this woman, who, by the way, was humiliated. Because imagine this. I know we got some young people in here. I realize, But, you know, she was caught in the act of adultery, the Bible says. So can you imagine that? All right, now get it out, out your mind. You had it in your mind. Get that out. But they... They came and took her, Beatrice, <laughs> right at that moment and brought her out. So maybe she's naked. I don't know. She's humiliated before Jesus. And he kneels down to her and says, woman, where are your accusers? And she said, Lord, I have none. And the most precious words that you will ever hear, the Lord said, neither do I accuse you? Go your way and sin no more. This is compassion. We heard about this last week. This is compassion, folks. This is what the Lord is calling us to. We are a different kind of people. And we can influence people without putting them down. We can influence them by bringing them up. Come on. That's what I want to talk to you about this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Look at verse 14. Paul told the Corinthians this. He said, do not be unequally yoked together with what? Unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness and lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? That's the devil. Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, in other words, because of that, come out from among them. And be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord God Almighty. Come out from among them, and I will receive you. What is he saying here? If you read it there, and that was even in New King James, you read it in the King, it sounds kind of harsh a little bit. Sounds like you are supposed to look down your nose. I don't fellowship with you. I don't even, I'll have any, I'll, light, dark. Got nothing to do with you. God, idols. Right? Colts, patriots. Nothing to do. Righteous cheaters. I, but uh, anyway, I don't have any friends in Boston, so. That's kind of what it sounds like. 
I wrote down some other versions, and I don't have them up on the board. I just want you to listen to a few other uh, interpretations or a few other versions, okay? New Living Translation says this. It says, don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? And what union can there be between God's temple and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Listen to the Good News translation. It says, do not try to work together as equals with unbelievers, for it cannot be done. How can right and wrong be partners? How can light and darkness live together, dwell together? How can Christ and the devil agree? What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? How can God's temple come to terms with pagan idols? For we are the temple of the living gods. One more. Listen to God's word translation. It says, stop forming inappropriate relationships with unbelievers. Can right and wrong be partners? Can light have anything in common with darkness? Can Christ agree with the devil? Can a believer share a life with an unbeliever? Can God's temple contain false gods? Clearly, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are God's temple. What is he telling us in all of this? He's telling us to stop being chameleons. <laughs> stop being one way at church. Oh, yeah, praise the Lord, brother. This, you know, God is good. I get a witness to that, you know. Oh, I'm, I'm blessed and highly favored. God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. And then going to work and just fading into the background. I'm not talking about going somewhere and sinning. This is not what I'm even talking about this morning, right? I'm talking about something that's going to help you and me. I'm talking about then going to work, going to the marketplace and just blending in. Nobody needs to see me. I'm not going to say too much. Oh, they're over there talking about that issue, you know, and uh, I'll just stay out of it and I won't say anything at all. Even if they ask me, I'll just say, well, you know, I'm just going to take the high road thinking that I'm doing something noble. But there are times when God has called for us to stand up and speak up. Come on. I mean, we hear so much that, listen, you're a Christian, and the way you win people is you just be good to people and be nice to them and all of those types of things. And I agree. I agree. We have to do that. But here's the thing about that. That's Romans 12.1, folks. That's our reasonable service. That's just who you are. That's just what you do every day. I mean, you shouldn't be told. We shouldn't have to be told to be nice to people. Right? That's our reasonable service. We have to be able to follow the Holy Spirit, hear what God is saying, so that we'll know when to open our mouth and when not to. But, there, but very often, God is speaking to us. Here's a, here's, a, here's, a, here's a situation now. They're asking you questions. What do you think about this, choir boy? Come on, that's what I was asked. What you have to say, choir boy? Well, at that moment, say what God put in your heart to say. God will give you the words to say. But instead, we want to be a chameleon. See, one of the reasons chameleons change color is for what? Camouflage. 
They try to camouflage themselves. In other words, they want to conceal their position. And listen, there's only two reasons that you would want to conceal your position. First of all, you would want to conceal your position in case you're hiding out and you're going to ambush somebody. So you camouflage yourself. Put a little tree limb right here. Stand behind a tree. Wait for them to come by, right? And then you jump on them. Now, I hope that's none of us because God speaks against that in the book of Proverbs. Don't shed innocent blood. Don't stand behind a tree waiting to jump somebody, Brother Barry. We know that. And then the other, but the other reason why a, a chameleon changes colors, that, that they would want to c- conceal themselves, is because they are afraid of being found out. They are afraid of being exposed. Maybe there's something embarrassing that will come out, like I go to church or I'm a Christian. Maybe it'll come out, and then I got to talk about that. Then I got to defend it. Then I got to hear them talk about why do you give your money to the church and why do you waste your time doing all of that? And haven't you heard about Josh Duggar and this person or that person? You know, I get so sick of hearing about that. They, one thing happens, and they just, see? Do you see? Do you see how Christians are? You know what I want to say? One thing happens. Look, you see how every, all y'all are? You see how 7 billion people in the world are, including you? Right? So we conceal our positions like we have something to hide. Now, many of you may be saying this. You may say, well... It's not that I have something to hide. I just don't feel like getting into the conversation. You know, I just want to live my life. I want to be a Christian. I want to go to church, be good to people. Hopefully people are good to me and one day die and go to heaven. That's, that's what I want to do. Deep in my heart, I want to make a change. But really, I just want that to kind of happen. And then I'll glory in it. You know, no change comes without sacrifice. Come on. Change doesn't come without sacrifice. And so we try to hide ourselves and mask ourselves. But doing that, I'm going to tell you something. God has a way of doing this. He will come over and uncover. And then, this is what he do. He take the cover way over here. <laughs> so you ever had somebody take the covers off and you try to grab for the cover, pull it back up? God take the cover off and he go way over here with the cover. Now you're just exposed. (laughs) You're out there. So instead of waiting for the Lord to expose you, why don't you just get out there and say, this is who I am. I'm a Christian and I love you. And this is the way Christians act. They don't look down their nose at you, but they love you. Just like the Lord is with me, I'm not mad at you. I'm madly in love with you. But I want you to be on this side. God wants you to be on the side of the kingdom. We can do that. Now, here's, how, here's the thing about it. Being a chameleon is interesting because what we do is, you know, we, we blend in and we do all those things. And then finally, you know, we hear a word like this or we, we just decide one day, you know what, I'm going to stop doing that. I'm going to stop doing it. I'm just, I'm a Christian and I'm going to be a Christian. That's what I'm going to do. And you just will in yourself, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to get up in the morning I'm just going to be a Christian today. Go out. How you doing? You homeless? Here's $2. All right. I'm a Christian. 
and you go about your day. God bless you. Hey, Mike, hey, bless the highly favored. Praise the Lord. Yes, Noah's Ark. And you just do your thing. You know, you're speaking all kinds of script, random scripture. You're doing your thing. But here's the problem with willing yourself to be righteous. Is after, you know, that's on Monday. When it gets to about Thursday, come on now. The same people you would say, yeah, Noah's Ark. You, now you're saying, I hope the flood gets you. <laughs> you can drown for all I... Because, come on now, I'm not the only one. People get on your nerves now. Come on now. Uh, people get on your nerves. And so it's, you, you just can't deal with that in your flesh. But here's the thing. This, where it starts is in the heart. It starts in the mind. That's why I said this morning, stop thinking like a chameleon. I'm not talking about don't will yourself not to do it. First, do it up here. Because what does Proverbs 23, 7 say? As a man thinketh, so is he. What's up here comes out. What's up here comes out. We got these ideas. Get in where you fit in. Come on. Get along to get along. Go along to get along. When in Rome, do like the Romans. We have all these sayings. But listen, you're not in Rome. You're in the kingdom of God. Even in Bloomington, Indiana, you're in the kingdom of God. I don't care if you're in Evansville, you're in the kingdom. You're in Orlando, where are you at? In the kingdom. You're in Nairobi? In the kingdom. You're in Manila? All right. Wherever you are. You're in Iceland? You're in the kingdom. Come on, somebody. You're in the kingdom of God. That's who you are. Nothing you can do about it. God changed you now. Come on. That's who you are. You are a Christian. And one of the things that happens is when we walk through life as a chameleon, we have a lack of fulfillment. You know, a sinful life brings a lack of fulfillment, doesn't it? But I also want to tell you that a moral life with no compassion brings a lack of fulfillment. You can can live a moral life and blend in. No fulfillment. No fulfillment. Paul is trying to get this into us, that you are different. This is, here's the thing. This is what I want to tell you this morning. I'm not telling you to be different. This is what you might think I'm saying. You might think crazy Pastor Mikey's up there telling us, just be different. No, I'm not telling you to be different. What I'm telling you is you already are different. <laughs> You're already different. You just need to act like who you really are. You ever seen somebody and you know how they really are, but you see them trying to be somebody else? You know, be like me going out trying to play basketball with some young folk. I'll be out there with Tom trying to play basketball. See, Brother Carter, all right, see? So what happens? What happens? No. Brother, see, you know I'm just messing with you. Come on now. I mean, if I want to play ball, I better go with Kevin, you know, because he's younger than me, but he's not as young as Adam. See, if I try to run with Adam, come on, I'm trying to be somebody I'm not. First, he's going to laugh. That's number one. And then he's going to, you know, score about 10 points in a row. Then he's going to laugh again. <laughs> then he's going to start feeling sorry for me. Then he's going to get some ice. And he's going to call 911, okay? In that order, <laughs> right? <laughs> so what the Lord is telling us, stop trying to be somebody you're not. You're not like them. And you know one of the things I found out is that 
don't, don't worry about being accepted. We shouldn't worry about that anyway. But if you just be yourself, those people will accept you. The world will accept you just how you are. Just be yourself. Stop trying to be somebody you're not. I found that out. I said, wow, hey, if I just, I'm myself and they still, they like me. They really like me. <laughs> Even being myself. <laughs> yeah, they will. Paul's trying to tell us, stop being a chameleon. So what prevents us being as ourself? What prevents us from living as the true self? Well, first thing is ourselves. We, we, we stop ourselves from li- living as ourselves. We allow, we listen to our flesh. Come on. There are some things. What about insecurity? Insecurity prevents you as living who you really are because maybe you're ashamed of who you are. Come on. What about guilt or shame? You ever been through something in your life? Come on, I can name all kind of things that you know, could have happened in our lives. We could have been to jail, got pregnant, out of wedlock, uh, stolen. So, I mean, whatever you want to say, come on. There's nothing new under the sun, and you, we shouldn't be surprised by anything. <gasps> you did that before? Yeah, well, look in the mirror, open your closet, let some bones fall out of your closet, and then we can talk. Come on. I, I, I always I, I try to get into my kids. Don't let anyone shame you. You know, I'm not trying to talk bad about anyone else, but everybody's been through something. Come on. You can't point your finger. And I'm not going to point my finger at anyone else because I know some things that got out of my closet, you know, and we're all that way. Come on. And so guilt and shame will keep us back. The big thing, though, is we haven't truly fallen in love with God. That's really what holds us back, folks. Truly falling in love with the Lord. Because once you've fallen in love, you become blind to other things. Come on, the guys know what I'm talking about. Especially when you're a young man. Adam know what I'm talking about. You fall in love and now your boys want you to go play ball or do this thing and you know, you say, well, now, you know, got to go to the mall with Taylor. Go to the mall with Taylor? Oh, man, come on, man. Yeah, you look at it differently. Things you would have never done. You're in love now. Fall in love with the Lord. Why should we not try to blend in? Why should we not do it? Here are three reasons we should not try to blend in. First of all, the people you're trying to blend in with, their goals are different than yours. Come on. They're trying to get to a different place than you are. Their goals are totally different than your goals. Secondly, their methods are different. The way they go about things. Come on. They may step on each other's head. I, you know, no telling how, what they do to, to climb that ladder. Their methods are total. Their thinking is different. Their methods are different. And most of all, <laughs> their end is different. Come on. The end game is much different than yours. So I don't know why you would want to blend in with somebody. <laughs> Who's going a different way? And when I say a different way, I'm not talking about you're walking this way and they're walking this way. I'm talking about you walking this way and they walking this way. It's totally different. The end is different, folks. The end is different. Why should we not try to blend in? Well, here's the thing. Here's what you have to understand. Why you need to be different. That's what Paul is telling you this morning. 
There's three reasons why he's calling you to be different. First of all, you take God everywhere you go. So you want to go to the club? You want to go to the bar? Oh, you can go there. I mean, no doubt. But just know that if you're a Christian, you're taking God everywhere you go. Which now brings a conundrum. Because we just read, light can have no fellowship with darkness. Come on. Two can't live in the same place. So I don't know what's going to happen. But something's going to happen. Some spontaneous combustion. I don't know what's going to happen. But God goes everywhere with you. Because know you not, know ye not that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Temple is not the temple any longer, at this moment in time anyway, in Jerusalem on a hill. I'm looking at the temple right here. This is where the Holy Spirit dwells. And so where do you want to take God? Come on. Secondly, you're separating yourself from God. Remember, light and darkness can't be in the same place? So if you go some places, God is not going. Now, I know what David said. He said, if I make my bed in hell, you are there with me. That's a promise. But when I'm talking about going someplace, I'm not just talking about a physical location. I'm talking about walking together with an unbeliever. I'm talking about going to that place where you know God's not going to go. Come on. So you get to a certain point, and you begin to separate yourself. God's not leaving you. He said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Exodus 34, he said, I, I never turn my back on you. It is you who turns your back on me. And so if you're not in fellowship with God, you can't blame God. God, you pulled away. No, God was there the whole time. But you pulled away by going somewhere where he's not going to go. That's why he's calling you to be different. And lastly, now listen to this. Take this in now. You are absolutely, and I, I understand, I mean, we can have a lot of, uh, you know, we can have a lot of conversations about predestination, and I knew you before you were in the womb, and I believe God knows the end from the beginning. He has the whole world in his hands, and he plans it all out. But let me tell you something. Let me just throw this out at you. You are scripting your future. You are scripting your future. Now that may even, and I'm not going to argue with about it, but that may even mean that you're getting in, you, you're saved, and so at the end of the day, you're going to heaven. So I'm not talking about that future. Uh, you, you can argue about it, debatable, whatever. But I'm talking right now today that you are scripting your future on this earth by the decisions that you make, the small decisions that you make every day. When you decide not to show compassion, you're scripting your own future. When you decide not to show mercy, you're scripting your own future. When you decide to give judgment, you are scripting your own future. And when you decide to yoke together with unbelievers and walk together and agree with them and go the same path with them, I'm not talking about having dinner that you might influence them in some way, but I'm talking about walking locked arm in arm, walking with them, thinking the same way that they think. You're scripting your own future. Because whatsoever a man sows, that he also reaps. Jesus said, judge not and you will not be judged. 
Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Come on. For with whatever measure you use, that will be measured back to you. Now, let me tell you something. We talk about the promises of God, don't we? That's a promise. That's one of the ones we don't want to talk about. But Jesus said it, and that's a promise. He's not going back on his word. Whatever measure you use to judge, condemn, or give, whatever that may be, that same measure will be measured back to you. You're scripting your own future. Here's what I want to tell you this morning, and this is it. Don't be ashamed of who you are. God has changed you. He made you very carefully for a specific purpose. When you go to work, don't be ashamed of that. Don't be ashamed of who you are. You're not the only one. Elijah thought that, didn't he? I'm the, I'm the last one. He said, no, you're not the last one. I got 4,000 more prophets, all right, that haven't bent the knee to bail. Don't worry. You're not the only one. And you can say that in your workplace. It might seem like it because in your little group, nobody else is a Christian and they're all talking crazy. But guess what? God's got certain people in certain places. And you know what? It might be that there's a Christian in your group that's like you. It might be a chameleon in your group. And they need somebody to step forward. Come on, somebody. And as soon as you do that, you open the door for something. Well, you know what? I'm convicted of that also. And now you've started a movement. Started a Bible study. It worked. Come on. But God is saying, don't be ashamed. And here's why. This is David speaking to the Lord. And I want to speak this to you prophetically this morning. He said in Psalm 139, Oh, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thoughts from afar off. This is, he's talking to you this morning, okay? You comprehend my path and my lying down. He's saying, you, he, David is saying, you understand my path. Why I've gone this way. Why I've made the decisions that I've made. You comprehend it. You are acquainted with all of my ways. Every last one of them. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You have hedged me behind and before, and you have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful. I can't even think about it, Lord, how you know all this stuff about me. You know stuff about me that I don't know about myself. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost part of the sea, there your hand shall hold me, your right hand shall lead me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, Even the night be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, O Lord. Come on. But the night shines as day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. Doesn't matter. (laughs) Come on. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you. Why? For I am Fearfully and wonderfully made. Come on. 
Marvelous are your works. Let me just tell you something before I just finish those last couple of verses. Something I just realized reading this yesterday. He said, and my wife used to say this all the time. She's encouraged many people by saying, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. But listen, he says, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. They're too high for me. Now, I used to think those are two different thoughts, Sister Sharon. I used to think, oh, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Now, I look out here and marvelous are your works. They're too high for me. But you know what? Those Those two phrases go right together. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are his works. They are too mighty for me. The way that he made you is marvelous. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, O God. And that my soul knows well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. You had a vision of me before I was even formed. My frame was not hidden from you. Come on. When as yet there were none of them, how precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more than the number, than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, you bloodthirsty men. For they speak against you wickedly. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate them that hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? Come on. I hate them with perfect hatred. (laughs) I count them my enemies. Now, search me, O God. Know my... Who's brave enough? Not like the Lord needs an invitation. But who's brave enough this morning to say, search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked thing in me and lead me in the way everlasting. If I were to say that this morning, I would tell the Lord I can answer the question. I know there's a wicked thing in me. (laughs) Please take it out. Search me, O Lord. Know me. See if there be anything wicked in me and remove that thing from me. What was Paul trying to tell the Corinthians when he came down hard on them? He's saying, look, I'm not telling you to be different. You just are different. You need to start acting like who you already are. You're a kingdom child. You're but a pilgrim in this place. This is not your home. I know you love it. You love the life church. You love America. You love Africa. You love this world. Come on. You love sweet potato pie. That's me. You know, you love all these things. Somebody said, amen. All right, brother. That's right. Got amen. You know, we love all these things. But my sister, such a great prophetic word. Do not hold on to people, places, and things. In other words, don't make them higher than the Lord. You want to have the best marriage you've ever had? Make God number one over your husband. 
You'll have the best marriage you've ever had. Come on. You want to have the best church we've ever had? Let's make the Lord first over the music and over programs and over whatever else it is that we think is so important in the church. Try making Jesus first. (laughs) That's a thought, isn't it? Let's try doing that in church. Well, if we can do this, these pews would be filled. Yeah, I know, I'm old school. Chairs, what are they? They'd be filled. You want to have your best life now? You can read Joel Osteen's book, or you could just make Jesus first in your life. I'm not talking bad about his book. I'm sure he says that in his book. <laughs> you want to have your best life now? You want to have your best work life? You want to have the best grades, Brother Tom? You want to, you want to have the best business? Brother Warren just started a business. Woo, praise the Lord, brother. And we're going to pray for that today. We're going to pray for that today. I just feel that right now in my spirit. We're going to pray for it today because he's stepping out. Amen. He's following the word of the Lord. That's what he's doing. You want to have the best life you've ever had? Just try it. Make Jesus first. Stop being like the world. Don't be a chameleon. Stop stop thinking like one and start thinking like Jesus. Now, the last thing, here's what it's going to require of you this morning. It's going to require you to read your word. I know this is is good revelation now, something you probably never heard before in your life. It's going to cause you to read your Bible and pray to the Lord. Okay? Those two key points. There are two secrets. I like when people say, I got two secrets. It's not secrets. (laughs) Two things. It's going to cause you to, to read and pray. If you do that, God will guide your steps. And this will help you to change your thinking. Okay, stand to